You guys, I am so excited for this conversation. It is uh, so in line with all of you that are looking to handle crazy schedules. And I am having on today Dr. Daria Long, and she is the nation's go-to doctor for distilling the best information to make our lives healthier, better, and easier. She is a Harvard and Yale-trained emergency physician, international TV contributor, and regular on CNN, Headline News, The Dr. Oz Show, NBC, and other outlets. She's a national best-selling author of Mom Hacks and TV edX speaker of now, of now widely popular an ER doctor on triaging your crazy busy life. She's a mom of two. Dr. Daria is a clinical assistant professor at the University of Tennessee and received her training in emergency medicine at Yale School of Medicine and her MBA from Harvard School of Business. Combining her life work as emergency room physician, patient with autoimmune arthritis, and mother, Dr. Daria distills complex information for her audiences to give people holistic, evidence-based, and entirely doable in their busy life solutions for their health and wellness. Dr. Daria is also a regular speaker, coach, and consultant, helping everyone maintain productivity and sanity. Welcome. Like that is, this is, that's a loaded introduction. I mean, I feel like you have it from all angles. Like, and I feel like the big thing, your business, you you have it from the business side too. Thank you. And hi, I I love it. I I feel the same way looking at all of your work as well. I'm just so impressed with everything you're pulling together. Well, thank you. Thank you. Our our messages align. And um, we started talking you guys off show and I was like, we've got to stop. We've got to stop because this is such good information and such good content. But more than anything, like what you teach is a lot what we teach and what we instill with our principles, but you do it from such a different perspective. And I love it. So I'm so excited to talk with you today and to interview you about how you approach crazy mode versus um, how do we, how do you call it? Triage mode? Triage mode and ready mode. And ready mode. Mm -hmm. Okay. So can you explain, um, I feel like we're all in a season of, we're all crazy. And, And this year, which you guys were recording this in the year of the pandemic has been extra crazy. But I feel like take out this year and and our lives are always crazy. They're relative to what they are. But you approach crazy. You don't like crazy. You like ready. Yes. So um, being an ER doctor, this is how you approach it and you how to explain it. So can you kind of break down the your thought philosophy as far as crazy mode yes, versus being ab- ready? Absolutely. And you're so right. I mean, I gave... I wrote this TED Talk last November when things felt crazy. And little did we know things were just about to get a whole lot crazier. So crazy is relative. But this came from the fact that the truth is, Christy, you know, we all get nervous. We all get scared. We all get overwhelmed and have those feelings of I cannot handle one more thing. And then the next thing comes in the door. And the truth is we all have those feelings. That's human. But it's what we do next that matters. And I realized that was something we did that I was already doing in the emergency department and saying, I'd have these feelings, we'd get overwhelmed, but then be able to function and flow onto the next thing. And so I started to look at what am I doing in the emergency department? How do we do that? And of course, you know, as you and I were saying before, it is in part our personalities, but truly, how do we do that? How are we able to look at those double doors and say, whatever comes in next, I can handle it. And how can I reverse engineer that in my own everyday life for myself and everybody else who doesn't work in the ER, which is where this whole message came from. Because everybody really, no matter how you're born, how you grew up, 
no matter what kind of role models you had for handling stress, everybody can learn this system. There's not something magical about it. Everybody can learn to be feeling more ready no matter what comes at them. And let me just kind of put this in context, you guys. She's an ER doctor. Her her ready mode is essential on loved ones, family members. Think about them going into the emergency room, her mindset being ready. So these principles we're going to talk about today and how she triages and gets herself into ready mode and out of that crazy, like it's it's life or death in her in her world. In our world, we can kind of feel like it's life or death too. But that's that's what I'm, I'm very interested in your philosophy and how you triage things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and break it down. So let's talk about that. Let, let me, let's first talk about from an, from a physician's perspective, not even talking about this from a pr- physician's perspective, when we're in stress mode, what does it do to our body? Yeah. So of course we kind of wear this stressed out mode or crazy busy as like this badge of honor. People seem to think, you know, how are you doing? Oh, things are just crazy. Well, you know what? That's actually not a good thing. And just like take it to the extreme. Say somebody comes into the emergency department and I'm having that feeling. And I say, you know, sir, you're having a heart attack, but I'm just feeling super crazy busy right now. So you're going to have to come back next week. Like, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's to take it to extreme, but you can't. And we, again, we wear this as a badge of honor, but the truth is when I started digging into the science, it's not good for us. And I initially started digging into this back when I was diagnosed with my own autoimmune arthritis, looking at stress and what it does. So acute stress is fine. Acute stress is, you know, the tiger jumps out at, you know, say our our ancestors, the saber-toothed tiger jumps out at you, you, your stress levels skyrocket, you run away, you get away, because if you don't get away, you're not passing on your genes anyways. Um, You get away and then your stress levels normalize. That's fine. In today's world, that means you have that sudden deadline. You really up your game, Christy, which I'm sure you've been there. You you push through, you get that great result, and then you take a breather. That's all good. That pushes us to be better. The problem is chronic stress. When we don't ever go back to that normalized level, which is where many people live now, we live at like a nine or a 10, <laughs> your cortisol is up, your stress hormones are up. And what that actually does is it means we don't function as well. Not only does it impact our physical health, which there is absolutely evidence of that, it impacts how well we do executive function. You know, our memory is decreased. We have trouble making decisions. If anybody's listening and they're just that feeling that your brain's just swimming, that's just because you're in this state of chronic stress all the time. So it is not good for us. And it's not even something that we should even try to push through because we're not at our best. You know, <laughs> I have physically lived through this and I have physically lived through the health repercussions of it. So you talk about you have autoimmune. I had some autoimmune flare-up stuff, but for me, I dealt with stress and I'm someone that actually, I feel like we, we talked about this a little bit. When I have a lot of stuff going on, I own it. Like to me, that's like puts me into work, get it done, automate, delegate, all of those things to be really efficient. And I start running like a, a well-oiled machine. The problem with myself, and I've had to realize that well-old machine needs to learn how to have a morning routine and a night routine mm-hmm. that can rest and reset. Because if you keep doing that, you're eventually going to burn out. You're eventually going to start um, having physical things go wrong. I started like losing my hair and just mm-hmm. stress. And I was, I was sacrificing sleep, trying to keep work and all the things going and kids. And basically what we do is we start self-sacrificing ourselves, not even realizing it. Until one day, I mean, I just knew I was stressed out. And one day I looked in the mirror and I started getting shingles. 
And at like in my early 30s, I was like, well, I didn't know what it was at first. I thought I got bit by a bug. And then it started moving around. I went oh. to the doctor and they're like, uh, you're really young, but you have shingles. Are you stressed? I'm like, uh, of course I'm stressed. Like who's not like, stressed? I am living the embodiment of stress. Yes. Like this is stress, but it wasn't until I physically saw that manifestation, manifestation of this is chronic. I have to do some changes. Otherwise I'm heading down a really bad direction. Mm-hmm. I've got to start sleeping more. I've got to start resting more. And a lot of things we have implemented into our star planner, actually the iron, irony of it all is now we have like sleep tracking. Now we have other little things that we've tweaked so that people can put at the forefront self-care and their health. Because if not, a lot of times you don't realize those compounded effects, what they do, but they Mm -hmm. add up. I love it. And Christy, you are so far ahead of the game in your awareness of this. And I think anyone who's listening, we're not saying, sometimes you hear these stress management tactics and they're telling people, you know, just take a break, you know, take a few days off, get some quiet time. And somebody's like, like you, I have three boys. When, when is quiet time ever going to happen? <laughs> we're not saying that. We are saying, just like you just said, it's the important to have the oscillations. You can go up to that high stress level and be functioning at that. But then during some point in the day, you got to drop back down to an air, a moment of like quiet or whether it's quiet or exercise or just five minutes to yourself to let your stress hormones normalize for a second. We have to have those, you know, those oscillations. So you're exactly right. And then you can actually be more productive. Yep. And so this strategy, you guys, that I'm going to talk about, this is something that I am full, full disclosure, I'm still getting better at. Mm-hmm. And I think part of this next strategy that I'm talking about, it's also implementing boundaries um, and, you know, setting up your schedule and setting up a plan and all those different things. So tell us how you triage your schedule in your life, talking about the red, the yellow, the green, and even the black. Yes, absolutely. So triage comes from medicine, of course. And so many of these are things, again, I I reverse constructed them out of the hospital. So any patient that comes in, we triage. And you have to do this because you have 30 patients that come in all at the same time. Metaphor, just like your life, you have 30 things that are on your list for the day. But we say triage is to look at it by order of priority. And as you've heard me say, Christy, that this isn't just a a nice way to get your to-do list done. It's actually crucial because research shows that when you're not able to differentiate what's really threat and important versus not, and you see everything as a threat and everything is super important, your cortisol levels are twice as high. So you got to be able to differentiate. So red in the ER is immediately life-threatening. Yellow is serious, but not immediately life-threatening. Green is minor. And we focus accordingly. And then I put in one other color, which, which is black. And black is you know, in the emergency department is a very kind of upsetting color to think about um, because it is are, are those situations where there's nothing else we can do and we have to walk away. Uh, it's hard to talk about, but the reason I bring it up for this is because the equivalent is every one of us have the equivalent of black items on our to-do lists. And the problem with feeling crazy busy is that you are ranking everything in your life as if it is red. And the thing, the one thing I know in the emergency department is if I try to take care of everyone, I will lose those reds that I can otherwise save. So what does that mean? That means you go through your list and you can, whether you actually physically color it red, yellow, green, you can do that. I have some people who do, or whether you just kind of visually or mentally say, okay, these are my reds. These are my most important mission critical things. You know, there's two or three of them today. And I'm going to, these are the two or three I'm going to get done. The greens are the sort of things that can take so much time off of your, on your to-do list, but they aren't necessarily that 
crucial. So the greens, it's like, how do you automate those as much as possible? Um, or just, you know, those are things you should fill in. Like when you're in carpool waiting, you don't have something to do, do a green then. And then lastly, those black items, look at your list honestly and say, what's on my list that is, is a black item? And that means you either need to delegate it or take it off and not feel one ounce of guilt. Because again, if you try to focus on everything, you have no hope of saving your reds. I love it. So with getting out of crazy mode and getting to that ready mode, you know, you talked a little bit about automate, delegate. What are, what are your big things? I mean, obviously um, planning uh, mm-hmm. is, is a big thing. So, so talk to me about, you know, you, you say that you design for it. Yes. Exactly. Talk about that. In the ER, we design for crazy because if you design for crazy, then it's not ever really crazy. It's just expected. So in my own life, yes, we do a lot of planning. And then anything that happens recurrently, it goes on my calendar or gets scheduled away so that I'm not thinking about it every single week. So this is, you know, just to take this down to just like super logistics. So every Sunday, we plan out the meals and buy the groceries and have veggies prepped so that when it's Tuesday at 6 p.m. or 6.30 and I've been on a late call and the kids are saying what's for dinner, I can actually get something on the table because I know everything that I need to have is there. And so I'm not running around panicking, scrambling, and reheating last week's pizza that's like sitting in the freezer, at the bottom of the freezer. So just a little bit of planning. And that doesn't require anybody to be a Martha Stewart. You know, back when we were able to physically go to, to church, um, instead of watching it on our computers, we would, you know, driving to church on Sunday, I would say, hey, what do we have? And I have a list of about 20 meals I can make pretty easily. Our kids would choose two or three. We'd then stop by the groceries on the way home from church, done. And then your entire week is planned for meals. Another thing is anything that are my staples that you know, toilet, toilet paper is taking on a whole other meaning in the COVID <laughs> crisis, but normally um, toilet paper, napkins, peanut butter, you know, my husband's protein bars he has to get. Um, those are all just on a, subscri- a subscription order. I never have to think uh, about whether we have those. They just magically show up because I created a subscription for them. So again, you're never sitting there saying like, do we have enough of X? Because we don't have enough brain power for that. I need to be focusing on my reds, not whether we have enough of, you know, uh, olive oil in the house. That's all just on subscription. So as much as you can, and even the grocery list, I have a saved grocery list every Sunday. That's the same thing. These are our staples. And I just go consult that really quickly. Look at the fridge. What do we have? And that way, whether it's my husband shopping or me shopping or my mother, if she can run to the store for us, everybody has the same list. So we're never missing things. That same list is saved every single Sunday. Anytime you say I'm doing the same thing over and over again, look at it and say, how can I save this? How can I automate it? How can I just do something so it's recurrent and I'm not reinventing the wheel every single week? You and I are the same people. Like this is like, (laughs) they have heard me say this, but it's just in a different angle. We talk about healthy habits and Mm -hmm. those healthy habits once they become a habit, they're automatic. Mm-hmm. And those, those things that you're talking exactly. about are automatic for you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, reducing, it's reducing your stress. It's getting things done so you don't have to think about it. Yes. You're also fueling your, your body, your kid's body with clean fuel by doing mm-hmm. that. Yes. And so many people think it's so expensive to eat healthy and to, to do these things. It's also really expensive not to, because yes. I can tell you sick, being sick is way more, way more uh, costly than, right. uh, you know, the other, but more than that, if you plan for it, 
you can exactly. actually save unless you go to, I mean, when you go to the grocery store and you're like, oh, this looks good on the end cap. Right. Exactly. I was gonna say, that's, that's what's expensive. If you buy yes. something that just looks nice and then you never actually eat it and you throw it out, then that yep. becomes expensive. But if you bought it because this was what you planned to eat on Wednesday night, then you're good. And the other thing I do, Christy, that you probably do, since clearly we are like sisters from the same brain <laughs> without even realizing it, uh-huh. um, is that I cook three meals a week. And so that leaves, and I always cook, I call them bestovers. Cause if you were not cooking enough for leftovers, you are not cooking enough. So uh-huh. we have like original meals cooked by me three nights a week, you know, twice a week we have leftovers. And then I always have like a frozen chicken in the freezer. So I'll just like, if, you know, supplant that last night, Thursday night dinner with some frozen chicken or something like that. Um, and then Friday and Saturday we eat out. And so you're not spending your life cooking. You're cooking three nights a week, which makes it more doable. And they've heard me say over and over, you cook once, you eat twice. Yes. Whether it be a lunch or the next meal or, and I'm sure you're like me, we plan it around. And this is the big thing, like on that Sunday, planning not only the meals, but I'm big on, I have a digital calendar and people think this is really crazy when I say this, but I have a digital calendar. I mean, we live in 2020, 2021. Like we have to be very cognitive with making things easy and efficient with connected calendars, Mm -hmm. but I have to physically see my schedule and time block it out. So you talk about co-locate, not only do I plan out my schedule, but I time block out my time and co-locate things that are like-minded together if I have that opportunity. So if I know that I'm going to be out to the doctor's office, I'll move this around being like, oh, I'm going to be here. I can knock out this, this, and this mm-hmm. instead of doing it here and just wasting time on the road. Yes. It's all I about think- being efficient with your time. Yes. And that starts with sometimes just watching. You know, look, mm-hmm. look at your time. What are you doing? Like Again, where is the friction? What are the things that you are just spending time going back and forth? Or what are the things that you say, I do this every single week? Well, if you do it every single week, automate it. Stop. Stop yep. reinventing it. We don't – because again – comes back from the emergency department. If there is a procedure that's 10 steps that we do every single time, we formalize it. You make it into a checklist. You put all the equipment together that you need for that single activity because when you need it, you don't have time to run around the place looking for eight different pieces of equipment. We are gonna take a quick little break to hear a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by startplanner.com your tool for a more organized life. Featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc.com, Start Planner was created to meet the demands of today's busy lifestyle, helping you to plan, execute, and organize every aspect of your life in one concise system. Align schedules, to-dos, finances, health, wellness, goal setting, and clear action steps to all work together and drive results. Learn more at startplanner.com. You create so, a workflow for it. Once exactly. that workflow becomes a healthy habit, it's then an automatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but you talked about, you know, being able to automate stuff and delegate stuff. And I think as women, that's one of our hardest things though. It's yeah. the one it's saying no, which is realizing yeah. what our blacks are. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's hard for us to say no because we want to do and be for all mm-hmm. people. Right. But if you envision your reds, then you can't. And then if you say, these are my reds, and if I focus on these other things that are noisy, that are not a priority, then I will not be able to save my reds. That's Think about such it a good, that way. And then it's so much easier such, to say, I'm sorry, I cannot. Yeah, I love it. So talk to me about your morning routine and your nightly routine. Do you have one? Oh, yes, absolutely. And again, it's coming down to, I like to 
eliminate the number of decisions I make. So again, if you have the same morning routine, we know that the more decisions we make, the more tired our brain gets and the less able we are able to make decisions about the important stuff. So yes, I get up every morning and I have to, I'm, I say this as I am not a morning exerciser. I don't like doing it, but the, I realize that the only way my run is going to get in and the only way I'm going to stay sane is if I run is to do is to run in the morning before the kids wake up. And I just have, uh, I kind of, I'll tell you how I created that routine in just one second. So I get up, I go for a run. Um, I just run in my basement because that's, you know, the children may run down or wake up at any moment and interrupt things. So I run for 30 minutes. If I have time, I'd like to meditate for five or 10 minutes before the kids wake up. Just depends on what time they wake up, help my husband finish getting them ready for school and out the door. So that's my routine. And there's nothing like, Christy, that cup of coffee after I've gone for my run when I get to sit down and meditate. It's just delicious. Yes. So that that's my morning routine. It's pretty simple, but it's a run. It's my coffee. It's plus minus a meditation if I can and some time with my kids before they go out the door. You're having you time. You're priming your mind and your body for you being able to optimize Yes. And be in that ready mode. And right. I feel like that's something I had to learn. I used to jump up and jump right into crazy, right? right. And you have to prime yourself. No. You have to. You I call it maintenance. Like I schedule maintenance for my HVAC system every quarter. Like how, why would I not schedule my own like mental maintenance? And for me, that's my run. And I don't apologize for it anymore. It's not something that's wrong with me. It's not anything at all. It's just just like I do maintenance on my car and my HVAC, I need to do that for me. It's your so daily self-care. Yeah. Yes. So how I did it when I realized I had to run in the morning um, was I started really small. So I would wake up five minutes earlier. First I started because I didn't want to wake up earlier and go run. That's like double torture. So I would wake up five minutes earlier and go do something I enjoyed. So I'd go wake up five minutes earlier and I would go read or meditate for five minutes. And then I woke up 10 minutes earlier and would read for five minutes and then run for five minutes. And I did that for several weeks until that, that was easier. And then I slowly increased the run until it was my three mile run. It's nothing. Nobody's going to call me for an Ironman race anytime soon, which is fine. But I did it really slowly and made sure that I had that reward in there of enjoying it and then having my really fun playlist. And I had a friend at the time we kind of committed to getting up early together. Doing all those things together was how I slowly was able to get up earlier and run. But it didn't happen overnight because if you try to do it overnight and say, tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to run three miles, well, you maybe do it, maybe we'll do it for one week, maybe tops. Then you'll feel badly about yourself and you'll give up and you'll be back to square one. So instead, start as small as you need to to get out of bed and go exercise. If it's for two minutes, that's fine. And then do that for two, three, four weeks and slowly increase it. Uh, but don't increase it so quickly that you're going to give up. So when you talk about tiny habits, is this your tiny habits? Yes, exactly. Okay. This is one of those tiny habits. So BJ Fogg is this a, a behavioral scientist out of Stanford. So he wanted to start a push-up habit. So Christy, you, you probably are up on BJ Fogg's research. So like, I guess for all of our listeners, I want them to try to think about how many push-ups were in his initial push-up habit. And so what he decided was, I will brush my teeth. And then after I brush my teeth, I will do one push-up. That was it. Because that's the way habits work in our brain. Our brain doesn't really so much care about the quantity of that habit. The brain just learned, oh, I brush my teeth and then I do push-ups. It's like, think of water going through a rock. It just slowly over time starts to create that pathway. And eventually after years, you have the Grand Canyon. So you just need to make it small. So you say, every morning I wake up, 
and I run. And eventually you may be able to build up that larger, but you just need your brain to learn, wake up, run. And on those days, there are days that I wake up and I didn't sleep well and I woke up late and like the day's crazy. On those days, I will still go run. I will run for four minutes. That's it. And because BJ Fogg says, you just don't want to lose that pattern of wake up and then run. So even if it's two minutes that you run on those days, he says, don't, just don't ever drop it. You have to reinforce that pattern. I love it. So rupture and repair. Yes. Talk about that. Yeah. So this, Christy, I don't know about you, but I've heard of other people, of course, you know, a friend told me of moments that they are, where they were losing it now in terms of shouting at their whole family. Right. Um, and just- um, is that, doesn't everybody <laughs> got to that moment? I mean, just kidding. That's me. Right. We've all been there right now. Like we're all, I had this moment early on. We had gone I'd gone to get detergent and I, and it was at one rest, this was early on in, in lockdown. I'd gone to buy detergent and the store was totally out of it. So I went to another store to find detergent. Finally, like after three stores, I finally found detergent. I just wanted to get home to my kids. And cause it was a Sunday, I wanted to play with them. I get to the garage in my house. I open up my trunk, the back of my car and all the detergent fell out and, and broke on the floor of my garage. Was it, was it liquid? Yeah, it was liquid detergent all over the floor. Oh. I started bawling. And like, again, normally like, you know, my husband was like, what's happening? But it was one of the, and of course I like yelled at everyone and stormed off. It was such an out of proportion reaction. So what psychology tells us about those moments is those are, are ruptures. And in today's world right now, we are all having a lot more ruptures. And, you know, I talk about a lot of ways to keep ourselves from rupturing in the first place, but I think it's important to give yourself the grace that the concept of rupture and repair says, if you have that moment that you yell at a loved one or or something, or just say something negative, that's a rupture. If you come back afterwards, if you actually, if you never do anything else then the relationship is harmed, but if you come back and apologize, so my, I came back afterwards, after I'd cooled down, I actually went for a 10 minute run just to cool it out. What came back, talked to my daughter. I said, you know, I'm really sorry. I just was really stressed out and I, this happened and I'm really sorry. I'm going to try not, I'm going to try to be better. And my daughter, she was sick. She's like, it's okay, mommy. You're just really stressed out, but it's just detergent. Yes. Thank you, honey. I love you. So that's (laughs) called a repair. So research shows that if you rupture and then come back with the repair, the relationship is actually stronger, which is why I felt like this is something that moms, parents, anyone needs to hear now because we're all having those rupture moments. Don't judge yourself so harshly for that. Just go back and repair. I love that. Yeah, I think I think that this year has probably caused a lot of ruptures. And but I think it's it's being in that crazy mode that causes more ruptures, right? So like you said, we yes. we plan for those not to happen, but that's that one more thing we talk about, right? That one more thing that we're like, we can't handle anything else. Mm-hmm. And you opening that up and it falling everywhere, it was that one more thing. Exactly. And I think that giving ourselves grace, number one, but number two. By going in repair, you're not only teaching that person, that that younger person, it's okay. You're human. Like we're humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And, you know, I think just just communicating that this is why I'm stressed out to, to not little ones, you know, the, to the other relationships that are more grown up, your spouses or whoever mm-hmm. it may be, it, it allows them to have that grace. And what can I do to help you? Yes, exactly. What do you need right mm-hmm. now? A hundred percent. And I think also listen to your own body. Like if a 10 is where you're going to rupture, start, you know, we take our physical temperature for COVID, take your emotional temperature. And so many of us 
you're at an eight and you feel like you're going to lose it. And then you think, no, I'm just going to push through. And inevitably, that's when you're at that state that one more thing happens and you will lose it. So when you feel like you're at an eight or a nine, sometimes I'd also talk about disengage. Like, how can you just take a moment and say, I'm at an eight or a nine. I'm not going to try to push through because I know that if something else comes up out of my control, I won't have my executive function to filter and keep me from having a, a rupture. So I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to take five minutes and I'm going to go run or I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to just stop what I'm doing and walk away from everybody for a second and disengage instead of trying to make myself be a superhuman and power through this. And see that, I think that's easier for some people. And I think that comes with self-awareness and time, but I historically am like, push through. I I can handle this. And I realized I always can't. Well, because it's human. And so you know, I was talking to a friend who's a psychologist and we were talking about this and he was saying to me that, you know, if people can say, I'm going to try to disengage and if they now start getting it right one time out of 10, well, that's one time more than they did. So Christy, if you try it and if you stop yourself once, pat yourself on the back because that's one less rupture. That's great. That's very true. And I think that's, you know, we're all on different journeys with learning, with realizing, with uh, realizing ourself, our own growth, what we need. And it's all about all of this as we plan, right? So that we are our best selves for ourselves and for everyone in our life. And why we really plan is to be able to handle that crazy, to have more margin for the fun and the unexpected and the good, right? Exactly. That's how you can see the good. And I talk a lot about you know, gratitude and I also talk about now how now it's so important that we use this as a wake-up call for our general health and to fortify our health and to fortify you know our emotional health too. Um, so yes, that that is how we can stop scanning for the negative and the places that are going to fail and start to look for the good. And I really feel like when you can do that and you are start looking for that good and focusing on things that you can control focusing on the reds and the yellow and the greens, that's when that anxiety and that stress goes down. Because when you're focusing on the blacks or all of them, treating them as reds, or when you're focused on things that you know that you can't control, to me, that's when I am anxious or have stress or all those things. A hundred percent. And I mean, again, that's what we do in the emergency department. Something comes in, I can't focus on everything that this one person needs. We say, and when that happens, we say, focus on the one next thing, just that. What is the one next thing you need to do? Focus on that. Do not get overwhelmed and paralyzed by everything else around you and everything on your to-do list because that can feel like a burden. I mean, you guys, this was such a good conversation. And I hope that all of you guys, as you're approaching your daily schedule, which we have a top three priority, it's those things that are red that need your attention, that you look at the rest of your schedule your day and your yellows and greens. If you have blacks on your schedule, you take them off. Your heart area of your planner, which is your self-care. That is those run. That's those things that you need to do for maintenance over and over because those compounded days are what it has. It's all about we plan to make this stuff better and automate these things. And um, like I said, have more margin for the good and the happy. Um, well, can you tell everybody where they can find you, What, where they can find your book, um, all the things. And, and if you all guys have not seen her TEDx, tell them where they can find that as well, because it really kind of tied all this together. And it's just a really powerful way to approach your day, like at your, like at your doctor. Yes, exactly. Um, so thank you. And 
I would say to everybody listening, I love engaging and I'd love to know what people's questions are, whether they're COVID or stress management or this, what I talk about now, which is fortify, which is what are the health steps we should take on nutrition and, and, you know, vitamin D and exercise and sleep and circadian rhythm to fortify our bodies and minds against COVID or anything else that can come up down the, down the street. So of course there's my website, drdaria.com. If anybody wants to watch my TED Talk, it's right there on the homepage. But the place I interact with people the most is on Instagram, which is at Dr. Daria. That's D-R-D-A-R-R-I-A. And same for my website, two R's in Daria. Of course, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, any of those places. But um, on Instagram is where I'm doing a lot more. You can ask me anything, questions on Fortify, on COVID and all of that. And I love hearing from people and what they need to know and trying to bring them that the best evidence distilled to help them protect their family and make their lives healthier, better, and easier. I love it. I love it. Love it. Thank you so, so much. And you guys also know that on the show notes, I will stick all these links so that you can quickly find her, connect with her. Um, I just think your approach, not only from a physician's perspective, but um, again, our, our message aligns so much, but you have the business perspective as well, mm-hmm. the mother perspective as well. Like I just, I love the way that you approach it. So thank you so much for sharing your gift thank um, you. and doing what you do with everything that you are um, aligning. And, and do you have any new books in the works? I'm curious on that. Oh, uh, not yet. And Christy, I'm laughing. We were talking about motherhood perspective. My three-year-old starts opening the door and whispering, mommy, mommy. <laughs> Everyone here gets it. Everyone here gets it. <laughs> My six-year-old is used to, when I do my CNN segment, she can open the door and we have a signal that I can give my hand with my hand out of this TV frame that she knows she's supposed to quietly close the door and walk off. Doesn't work for my three-year-old, however. Um, I am talking to some people about a book, especially on this fortify concept of all those things we can do for our, to fortify our immune system. It's going to be another, it's like the equivalent of another child though, as you know. So, mm-hmm. um, so it, it we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, okay. but mom hacks is again, if anybody's interested in that, they can, I know you asked that that's on my website or people can find information to that. It's of course on Amazon and anywhere else you buy books. Well, I will be watching, following and absorbing all of your information and knowledge that you've been, uh, acquired and gifted. Um, so thank you again for coming on and sharing with everyone. Thank you, Christy. I need to get myself a start planner. So we can, we can hook you up. We will, <laughs> we will take care of that. <laughs> Have a great day. Take care. All right. Thanks. Bye, everyone. See you guys next week. You can find any links discussed in this podcast in the description below. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and hit the subscribe button. It helps us so much. You can listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We are here weekly with brand new episodes. See you guys soon.